Miami and Milwaukee are all knotted up at one win apiece in their playoff matchup, but the lopsided loss in game two has led to more questions than answers. So to help answer those and to break down what has stood out in the series so far is Rowan Nodkarni of Sports Illustrated. Do the Heat have a chance versus the Bucks? We'll answer that and look ahead to a pivotal offseason in today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Vermill. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day and joining us uh, on this Thursday afternoon is Ron Nuncarney of Sports Illustrated. Um, Ro likes to come on the show and discuss the Miami Heat with us. We're also going to talk about the Heat's offseason. And we're going to go big picture and talk about the NBA playoffs in general. Um, so let's just start with the series. Uh, we're recording this a few hours after that blowout, ugly mess of a loss uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks in Game 2. A weird series so far. The Heat come out in Game 1 and shoot 60%, which was uh, a, a franchise record for them in the playoffs. Score, uh, score a franchise high in points of 130. And then the Bucks come right back and basically do the same thing to them. They get 25, they make 25 three-pointers in game two, which is tied for an NBA playoff high all time. A bunch of other franchise records for them. Congrats, I guess, to the Milwaukee Bucks on that. But just so like <laughs> how much can you actually take away from two games that were just like two extremes uh for both teams coming out? Ron, can you take anything away from them? And where do you what's what's sort of interesting to you as this series goes back to Miami for game three? I mean, I think you can absolutely take away stuff from these games. I understand that a lot of people are saying, oh, these are both outliers and the series is going to settle somewhere in the middle. I don't know that I totally buy that. I think what the Bucks did in game two, again, they're not going to set all these records, but is more reflective of the advantages they have over Miami than what Miami did in game one. I mean, all season long, we've gone on here, talked about the heat shooting, you know, they don't have good mid-range shooters. You know, Bam Adebayo dominates a specific area of the floor. We even saw it in game one, his first jumper a little bit outside that non-paint restricted area. He misses it. He's very good in a specific area of the floor. He hasn't necessarily expanded his jumper yet. Jimmy Butler, over the course of a few years now, has not been a great mid-range shooter. Tyler Hero, people talk about him. Obviously, he's out for the series. It's kind of their mid-range solution. He's great with the floater. Obviously, a very good three-point shooter. He's a shot creator, but also not necessarily a knockdown mid-range shooter. So for them to come out in game one and hit all those mid-range shots and then it hauled their threes, the fact that they hit all those threes, again, all season long we've talked about the regression on that end of the floor, how poorly they've shot. They I think they went 12 for 20 in game one uh, from threes. And, you know, there's a, there's a double-edged sword there with that game one three-point numbers because they weren't able to generate a lot of threes and they made the ones that they took. So, you know, kudos to them for finally knocking down shots. But the fact that they weren't able to generate threes were taking so many mid-range shots is indicative of the fact that they're taking the shots that Milwaukee wants them to take, which is long right. twos, tough twos. Milwaukee, again, you know, they had a great shooting performance in game two. That's going to be difficult to replicate. But what we've seen them do a few times now is over the course of the last couple of playoff series, get these big three-point attempts night ups against Miami. And Spo alluded to it after game one. He's like, they're probably going to come out and shoot 53s. He talked about it at his press conference after the game. They've done that a few times to the Heat now. And another thing that we saw in game two 
the Heat don't have an answer for Brooke Lopez. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. My old colleague Andrew Sharp tweeted, and I think it was tongue in cheek. He's like, Are we sure the Bucks aren't better without Giannis in a playoff setting? There's something to be said about the fact that when Giannis plays, Brooke Lopez is out on the perimeter to space the floor. When Giannis doesn't play, they went right to that Lopez uh, m- mismatch from the opening tip. Yep. And if the Heat put Bam on him, that opens, you know, Struess to be uh, switched onto other screens. It, it, when they put Struess on, we could see it was a mismatch. They're still switching some actions with Gabe Vincent and Max Struess. So I, I just thought game two, yes, we can say the Bucks won't shoot like that again. But if you just look at the process of how each team got their buckets in the in the games, I think you saw in game two the advantages Milwaukee has over Miami. I'm not sure you know this, Ron, but you just made David's day with the uh, <laughs> with the Giannis take there. David, take it away. Go ahead. No, I, I've just I pointed out before. I think Miami's defense is ill suited to handle this Buck squad without Giannis. Something about Giannis's presence. It's not to discount what he does, obviously, but I think Bam's. You think that they have a better the- chance to beat the Bucks when Giannis is playing? That's essentially what I, you're I, saying. Basically, yeah. I think they're yeah. more limited offensively when Giannis is out on the floor. And I know that can open up shots from the perimeter and everything else like that. But he's his single-minded drives to the hoop kind of remove a dynamic aspect of the offense from what we saw in the game, too, especially when they were getting so many looks from, from three-point range and everything else like that. And, and you know, they're, they're going to be reduced touches across the board. Middleton shoots less. Lopez shoots less. He doesn't get those same touches as you alluded to. So, yeah, I'm not going to go out and say they're better without Giannis, but you know, they they Miami does a better job of defending them or at least being able to stay in the game when Giannis is on the floor. At least that's my perspective. I I, I kind of want to touch on something else you were talking about there about the process of things, because I, I, I wrote about that for all you can eat today. And then uh, and it's something that I've been sort of thinking about after that, that that game, too, and even a little bit after game one, because even after game one, the Heat only took 25 three point attempts in that game. Mm-hmm. They just happened to shoot 60 percent on them. And I was like, that's not sustainable. Like they're going to have to get up 40 three-point attempts to have any chance in this series. And you think about where it is that the Bucs want to, to steer Miami's offense, 43%, to your point, Ron, 43% of Miami's shots so far have come in like that deep paint or 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 I should say high paint or uh, mid-range area. That's exactly where the Bucs want to funnel you. Mm-hmm. Very little of their shots have come uh, at the basket. It's less than 20%. I think they've, they've taken like a total of like five three-pointers from the corner the entire series so far. Yeah. Uh, most of their threes are just sort of like, oh my God, we got to get up the shot above the break kind of three pointers. And I, you look at what, what the heat's offense is. And if they're basically going to try to mid range two point you to death um, and the bucks are out here getting to the paint with or without Giannis, whether it's Brooke Lopez posting up Max Struess or Chris Middleton, just having no interference and just driving right to the basket or all the three pointers that Pat Connaughton and, and, and crew are making for the buck uh, for, for the Milwaukee bucks. Like that's just not, that that is the definition of when we talk about advanced analytics and how offenses operate these days. The Heat are playing like it's 1988, and the Bucks are playing like it's 2023 right now, and and that's going to be a problem in this series unless the Heat can find a way to get to those more efficient shots. Do you see any way that the Heat can do that? I I really don't know. I mean, we we talked about this a little bit on Twitter last night, Wes. They started Duncan Robinson, but they. Did they run a single DHO for Duncan in the yeah. in that initial six minute stretch? Okay. I remember there was one pick and roll that he ran with Bam, but Duncan came off the screen, wasn't really looking to shoot the three. You know, that's partially on Duncan, but partially on Swell. If you're going to have him out there, Duncan's never been a traditional floor spacer. He's not someone you put in the corner 
to kind of open up your offense. When he was at his best, in many ways, he was the focal point of the offense. You know, he's he's running around screens, his off-ball movement. Uh, that's what's creating all these opportunities for others. They've kind of gone away from that. You know, I'm sure Spo has his reasons, but if you're going to start him, he almost has to be an involved part of the offense. He can't just be someone who's standing out there because if he's not getting up attempts, we see he's going to pick up fouls defensively. There are going to be other issues. I think you have to be more intentional with him starting. I mean, that could be one way to juice the three-point numbers. But listen, the Bucks are a great team for a reason. I know people are excited about that game one win, as they should be, but we have to recognize that Miami's coming in as a significant underdog here. Uh, you know, the Heat uh, were in the negative in net rating, I believe, during the regular season. Yep. The Bucks not reaching the heights as they've been in other years, but have, have always been a great team. We're fantastic defensively. And Milwaukee, after years of being a team that actually gave up a ton of three-point attempts, they were so committed to not letting you get to the rim, they actually conceded threes. This year said we're taking away threes too. You know, they finished in the middle of the pack this year in terms of three-pointers allowed. That was an uh, active defensive decision they made in the offseason, especially after Grant Williams hit all those shots in Game 7 last year. They changed their defensive scheme to also try to take away those three-point shooters, putting a lot more pressure on their perimeter defenders. And Milwaukee's the horses to get it done. Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Grayson Allen, when he's not being ISOed to death by Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, it's actually a pretty good positional defender. Pat Connaughton, who was great for them in their finals run, they have the guys who can stick to those shooters, get around screens, etc. So it's just it's a massive challenge for Miami and and the bucks I think have been ever since the heat upset them in the first, in the second round in 2020, I think Milwaukee's, you know, been really good against Miami. I think Milwaukee generally, I know the heat of a couple wins in there without Giannis. They had that big win last year when a bunch of guys are missing Caleb Martin as a career night, but I think Milwaukee does a really good job of dictating the terms of engagement against the heat better, better than maybe any other team in the NBA. Well, let's talk about some maybe game three adjustments and some other things about this series in a minute. But first, David, tell listeners about our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Nissan's Most Electric Player of the Week, which is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Today's Electric Player of the Week, well, who else could it be but Jimmy Butler in two games, one win, one loss against the Bucks. Of course, he's shooting 30 points per game from the floor. He's shooting uh, 60, well, what was it, 62% from the floor. Uh, he's having a fantastic series, shooting 40% from three. He's also got four total, averaging four rebounds per game, seven assists per game, two and a half steals. I mean, he does it all. That's, that's just what you expect when you're looking at a player that can do everything, just like the Nissan R, they can do anything. It's brilliantly fierce, just like Jimmy, when he's engaged in attacking the basket. Stunningly powerful, elegantly powerful. Just so many good things that you could say about the Nissan Aria. It's a sleek-looking car, but it provides all the kind of response, you know, the responsive time that you're looking for in any kind of vehicle, an SUV. It's a mid-sized car, but it's, it looks great, functions well. It's a 2023 Nissan Aria. packs pin-to-your-seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. So it's the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Everydayers can find us over the weekend with a recap of Saturday night's Game 3 in Miami. We want to talk about how Victor Oladipo kind of holds the keys to Miami's mm. offseason here in a second. But uh, you mentioned the starting lineup, Duncan Robinson and all those things. Uh, I agree with you. I thought it was strange. I talked about it a lot of the recap, like how they didn't really get him involved in the offense. And if 
you want to talk to me about, well, he was not any good defensively. I'm like, well, Spo knew that when he made the decision to start him. It would have been more surprising if Duncan Robinson came out and looked like Drew Holiday on defense. Um, but it obviously didn't work to Spo's liking. Uh, and now that we've sort of thought about it a little bit more, I do wonder, and kind of going back and watching some stuff from game two this morning, is this going to be a Kevin Love series? I, I wonder if the, he's maybe the 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 more appropriate starter in Duncan Robinson's place. Because if you're not going to trust Duncan, you're not going to really get him involved in sort of those offensive actions like the DHOs and stuff that you were talking about. Like, I don't know, at least match up with size with Kevin Love. He, he can still space the floor. It creates some issues with the bench and things like that. But that, to me, is like a, just a different kind of issue yeah. that you deal with later on. Like right now, you just got to get your, your, your starting matchups up to snuff. And especially if Giannis ends up playing that game, that could be a real issue. Uh, if Giannis is hurt, I guess you could just play. You can have to start Bam on Brook and get rid of this cutesy Max Struess, uh picking up that assignment thing to begin games. But even then, you're just there's sort of a domino effect of mismatches that can come from switching and things like that after that. So, Ron, what do you think? Do they need to uh, change the starting lineup? Is Kevin Love maybe an answer there? I don't know that I would go Kevin Love. He had his own issues defensively, and he's also been really important to them as their backup five. Uh, that's been those have been important minutes for them especially when they're spacing the floor for Jimmy and some of those second unit lineups, that's been really important. It opens up the lane for Jimmy quite a bit. They're, they're just in a pickle here, you know, and I hate to bring up PJ Tucker for the millionth time, but I, to me, I would have started Caleb Martin in oh. uh, Duncan in Tyler Hero's place. Oh, yeah. Oh. And I would have, um, I would have just brought Victor Oladipo off the bench in kind of the old hero role, the old hero six man role and kind of lived and died with that. At least those two bring you defense. Like we can talk about. And they create turnovers. And, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like the heat aren't going to win this series shooting out of their minds. I think they have to win it, mucking the game up, uh, you know, just grinding it out, finding out a way to grind up possessions. And I, I, I'm surprised Spo didn't lean defense. I feel like historically he's the kind yes. of coach who leans defense. So I was surprised in that regard that he started Duncan, even though it made sense for a lot of other reasons to preserve the rest of the rotation, et cetera. But I agree. Like, let's say Giannis misses this next game and you put Bam on Brooke Lopez. Who's guarding Bobby Portis? Who's been a menace for them on the boards mm-hmm. who will post up. He'll post up Bam at a bio and win and win that matchup right now. And he's going to take Struce to the post every possession he has, you know, not that Caleb solves that, but I think he brings you more defensively, helps you create turnovers, as you mentioned. You know, another matchup that I find interesting, they've put a, they put Gabe Vincent on Chris Middleton yeah. and Jimmy Butler on Drew Holiday. I, I mean, if you start Caleb, you have an opportunity to put Caleb, I think, on Drew. I think that's... Yeah. And then you could put, put Jimmy on Middleton or you could put uh, Caleb on Middleton, and you know, because that's a, that's a tough matchup for Gabe Vincent and the Heat are switching that action an, a lot. Middleton's had an awesome series too. I mean, he's he's he's, he's, he's fantastic. Quiet game too, but yeah, he's been very good. And he's been a Heat killer for years now. He's very yeah. good against the Heat when they play, and oftentimes because they're not matching up with good enough size on him. And yeah, I, I would just try to get defense into the because even look at Game One, the Bucks put up a lot of points despite not shooting well from three, and yeah. Giannis only playing eleven minutes. So at this point, I think that he'd have to accept we have a bad offense. We are not going to win games on the offensive end of the floor, even though they did that in game one. But that happened because of a, a shooting night that you just cannot expect. Right. Um, and so well, they also, I, I, would, I would lean defense personally. 
I would argue that they also have a bad defense. Like, I don't, I don't know that. <laughs> True. Yeah. I, I, I know we keep talking about rotations and who starts and things like that. And I suppose that's like the place to start when we talk about adjustments for game three. I just don't know that it's going to matter. It just sort of feels like the same players in a different order with the same problems, yeah. right? It's just regardless of whether you start with this issue, you're going to end up at this other issue. And it's sort of just like, well, no matter what lineup the Heat put out there, there's every lineup has like these different problems. Yeah. And whichever problems are on the court, are the ones that the Milwaukee Bucks are just going to poke at and, and take advantage of. And so it's just like, all right, well, is it going to be a defensive problem at first or an offensive problem at first? All right, well, then the other one's just going to be the problem in the second quarter instead. And so I, I let's just big picture on this. I think it's pretty clear, and I said this last night, if you told the Miami Heat going into this series, hey, you're going to split this the, the road series 1-1, coming back to Miami, and Giannis is going to be hobbled. Would you take that? And they say yes 10 times out of 10, right? But you really look at the, to your point, the process of how these games have been played, and I think it's very clear that the Bucks are the better team and have the the upper hand in this in this series, which is should be the case with the one seed going up against the eight seed, even if the eight seed are the Miami Heat. I just is this series already over? <laughs> is it over? Listen, I had the Bucks coming in as a heavy favorite, and maybe even picked them in a sweep. To be honest, and I know everyone got mad at me after game one when I mentioned. The offense was unsustainable. Listen, the Bucks have a great deep. People roster got mad at you for saying that the sixty percent shooting day was un- unsustainable. Yeah, they are, people were like, "Oh, you know, you're going to learn again." I listen. I get it. I love the. I love the confidence that Heat fans have. That would ever be me. Um, I just uh, listen. The Bucks are a very good team, and I, I, I alluded to this. I said the Heat got. You know, the, this was similar to a regular season game. The Heat against the Bucks, where Giannis went out with an injury, right? And the Bucks kind of just ran him off the floor. Like they're a very good team. They're a well-coached yeah. team. They played in big games. Frankly, they have better players. Like it, it's no just doubt. it's an uphill climb for Miami. And, and again, this is another thing that we we talked about a little bit on Twitter last night. Last, a lot of the teams when they make like an offense-defense trade-off, like it makes a significant significant difference. The Heat last night said, let's let's play our offensive lineup to start the game, and we'll have Duncan and Struess in there. And they couldn't score that well. And, and right. they and Milwaukee was missing arguably their best defender, right? And they still couldn't score well. They still couldn't penetrate Milwaukee's defense. They still took the shots the Bucks wanted them to do. That was their offensive lineup. <laughs> that was with their two shooters on the floor. Right. You know? And I'm talking about starting Caleb and bringing in defense. You can bring in Caleb, and I think he's been a great defender. I think he's been a bright spot this entire year. Even if you bring in Caleb, you're at such a massive size disadvantage against this team. The Heat, and this is the point I make, is like most teams when they go small can shoot really well. Right. The Heat can't. And most teams when they bring in their shooters can shoot really well. The Heat can't. <laughs> um, so they're just, they're really stuck. I, I mean, I think the Bucks right to that point have favored in the series. It's it's a really good point. The fact that they go small and they still can't shoot, and I think that people have this idea of the Miami Heat of being versatile, and I would argue that they might be the least versatile team in the NBA. Like there is zero versatility. They're just small. That doesn't mean versatile. Yeah. You're small and you can't shoot. That is not versatility. That's just not being very good, and yeah. and not having a whole lot of things that they can lean on. And that is sort of the opposite of versatility, where the Bucks can go out there and they could play these big lineups or they could go small with even Giannis at the five. And they've got shooters like Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton and, and whoever at Bobby Portis who can, who can hit those corner threes. Like that's, that's what versatility looks like. And, and, and mm-hmm. I would, I would tell heat fans that like, we kind of have this idea because we've been told to, because Spo likes to say it, we're really versatile. We're really, and it's like, no, you're not, you're not versatile really at all. 
they're pretty limited. And, and lastly, I just want to add, I feel like we're not letting David talk at all, but I'll just add <laughs> so, real quick. That there's nothing to say. I mean, this, you know, I don't know. Go David, ahead. Got off, David got it all off his yeah. chest last night. <laughs> yeah. I'll just add that, you know, I understand, oh, they got the split. Both games are an outlier. Losing the game that Giannis missed is, a, is just a huge missed opportunity for them. Yeah. Even if they're tougher to defend in some ways, et cetera, he's arguably the best player in the world right now. You have to take advantage of an opportunity like that. It's like when Al Horford missed game one of the Celtics series last year, the Heat win that game. That's a you have to capitalize on that opportunity. 2 0 is way different than 1 1. With two days off and Giannis being upgraded to questionable, I, I was shocked he missed that game. I have to imagine he'll be back Saturday. I think the Heat know that. So to me, Yes, you can say, oh, they take the split before the series, but the context changed significantly. And I think that that was a huge missed opportunity for them in game two. Well, we're going to let David talk in the next segment when we ask. I'm just thinking, you know, we, yeah, go yeah, ahead. No, I was just saying, no, I, I just, I think, you know, you can, you can shift your rotation or ever go defensive focus and stuff like that. And yet you still require an outlier shooting performance from Max Drews, Kevin Love, somebody needs to still go and hit an, an incredible number from three-point range just to have a chance because you're, you're not going to be able to stop what Milwaukee does. Like, I think to everybody's point, like, you know, what we saw in game two certainly feels much more sustainable over the course of the series and holding the Bucks to sub 30% from three-point shooting as it happened in game one isn't going to be something that Miami is likely to replicate. So you, you still – you can go all the defense you want to, and you're still going to require somebody to have a big offensive night. That's not Jimmy or Bam, you know, because with Tyler out, there aren't a lot of options to find a way to score on this roster. What do you think about eBay? Oh, I think it's a great, great opportunity for people to find the parts they're looking for because today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team it's like Miami, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, just head to eBay Motors with eBay's guaranteed fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or you get your money back because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from. You'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only and exclusions do apply. Thank you for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Every dayers find a Saturday night with a recap of Game 3 immediately following the game. We're here with Sports Illustrated with uh, Rohan Nadkarni. Uh, let's let's zoom past this series because um, none of you guys actually answered the question. I think the series is over. You can come at me, Heat fans, whatever. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think that's a, that's a hot take. I don't think it's a hot take. Um, hey, listen, the team. Bucks are 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 a title contender, title right. favorite. Everyone's been mad about this Heat team all season long. Half the people watching these games wanted them to lose against the Bulls. I know everyone's excited after that game one, but. Yes, I think we can all. Will Miami win another game? Heavily. Ooh, that's a more interesting question, I guess. Does Giannis play game three? Saturday or Monday? No. No. If Giannis is back, no. I'm probably agree with that. Not based on what we saw. Like, there's just no advantage. I just don't see. Like, they have to shoot sixty percent again, again, and you can't predict something like that. Yeah. Um. All right. So 
let's talk about Victor Oladipo, who played a little bit last night. Maybe he gets more run now that Tyler Hero is out until the NBA Finals, apparently. I would have um, started Oladipo, by the way. You. Hmm. Right. So he's out three? of because so so Spo likes to do the thing where when someone's injured, he brings yeah, yeah. in a guy who kind of like wasn't in the rotation to preserve the right, rest right. of it. Which is what I, Duncan my Robinson pick would have been Oladipo over yeah. Duncan, even though Vic can't like just the defense. Um, they've had they had success last year in the playoffs with that Lowry Oladipo Struess Butler Bam lineup. I would have tried something like that. I made personally. the case for it after the game. I said, you know, I know that Spo does not trust Victor Oladipo, that he freelances way too much on offense, that he could be a little hit or miss defensively. He's kind of oh gosh, every once in a while have possession, like a... There was one possession last night where Jimmy was trying to run a pick and roll, and yes. Oladipo was just planted on the same side of the floor, not yep. moving. And just I, ran right, I, Yeah, just ran right into him. Yep. I was like, what is going on? That stuff's frustrating. I get it, but. But if you're if you're already the team that's the massive underdog, maybe just like throwing a little bit of chaos into the mix isn't a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe that's right. sort of the only way you can kind of get variance back on your side the way that it was in game one. But speaking of Victor Oladipo, I mean, his these playoffs could be pivotal for him and for the Miami Heat going into this offseason whenever it does begin. Um, he has that player option for nine and a half, ten million dollars, whatever it is for next year. Opting in would put the Heat over that new second luxury tax line. Like, Basically, right away, when you consider his player option value, think about that. Oh my God. The Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero. Over the second tax apron? Good Lord. Yeah. When you consider him, the value of the 18th draft pick and whatever else that they got to do, they're going to be over that luxury tax line. The second one, which basically all that stuff that you're reading and everybody's like, well, this is all because of the Warriors and whatever. Yeah, maybe it is, but also it would affect the Miami Heat, <laughs> who are going to, who are about to lose in a gentlemanly sweep to the Milwaukee Bucks. So, um, it would make it difficult to re-sign Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. It would be make it difficult to re-sign anybody. They would basically only have minimum contracts to hand out to veterans in the offseason. How um, could they even bring back Struess and Vincent? They can't. If Oladipo opts in, it would be very you would basically have to just be okay with paying a bunch of money in luxury tax because you have their their bird rights, which they're not Dude, going they, to because they have for Max Struess and Gabe Vincent, they're not gonna guys, do it. Right? Yeah, and so there's like a a, a like only there's like a small percentage that they are allowed to go over what they're currently making. You could argue like, well, they're probably not going to make anything more than that after the seasons they just had, which is possible. But that's why they say it would be difficult. So either even either they walk away from more money elsewhere because Miami only has the limited bird rights or you are able to resign them. But because you're so over the tax now, and because the penalties are so much more with the new CBA that you're end up paying, you're end up paying Max Struess, like whatever it is, three and a half million against the cap. But for Mickey Arison, it costs like $15 million or whatever the multiplier is, which isn't obviously worth Oh, my gosh. Their so, cap is a mess. If they old got, people I mean, they got, they're out, getting however, screwed by the CBA. They're getting screwed by the CBA. Classic CBA, screwing teams. It's Duncan's fault. He's a player rep for the team, so he didn't he didn't explain it properly. He's like, hey, man, I got hey, I'm getting got, my money. I'm getting my, my money. money. Screw the team. I'm out. If Oladipo does opt out, this is the other side of it, uh, the Heat would have about $10 million before that that second tax line. They could re-sign Struess or Vincent if they wanted to. They would also have the taxpayer uh, mid-level exception available to them. Um, so that's there. The idea that Victor Oladipo would opt out seems insane to me. I don't think that there's any why way he, yeah, after the season he just had. The only reason why is because now there's like a new wrinkle in the CBA that would allow players who opt out of player options to sign less to sign for less than what that player option was. Now you're a lot, you used to not be able to do that. Now you can, and you're like, well, why would he do that? Well, he could maybe get a longer term deal. That would be the only reason. So unless there's another team that says, we'll give you 
six million a year for three right. years. Maybe Oladipo decides he wants that long-term contract as opposed to. I still find that very hard to believe that that would happen. Like that seems to me impossible. It feels well, like Oladipo. I think that that that, that that rule that you're talking about applies to the Heat only. Like if he's a free agent, he right. can sign for any number. Oh, right, correct. Yeah, yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So oh. the Heat could re-sign him at a lower number, but I don't know why they would do that. They kind of already did that to an extent. I still have no idea year. why they gave him that second year. If we remember the way that it happened, the initial agreement was a one-year deal. It was like yes. sort of a one-year tryout deal. And then the next thing you know, they renegotiated the contract to give him the player option I think on the back go end. Under the tax. I think they wanted to go under the tax. They they needed the the wiggle room because it was a higher year. The the big problem with them the last couple of years has been the tax avoidance. And it, it causes them to twist themselves into these pretzels with the undrafted players and the Oladipo contract and not bringing back PJ Tucker, et cetera. And mm. like the Kevin Durant thing was so misguided in my opinion. Like yep. they just, they don't have anything attractive to trade. The reason I think they should, they're in a pickle here because I think they need Oladipo to opt in because I think he's a tradable contract. I'm not saying he's going to get you something great in return, but he can be attached to another player. Uh, he yeah, can be used as part of the deal, et cetera. Um, uh, you know, attached to the pick, which they haven't done in a while. But the problem is if he opts in, not only does it limit their signing capabilities, it, it limits the amount of draft picks they can trade, which is already limited for them. Right. I know that Max and Gabe have had not good seasons, but if you let them walk for nothing, to your point, they can only replace them with minimum guys. So they're back to square one. I, 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 listen, they somehow pull a rabbit out of a hat. You know, they did it. They got incredibly, I think, fortunate that Jimmy wanted to play here and were able to make that trade before superstar trades got to the point where it's like, you're giving up five first round picks, which they don't, they can't do. They never had a chance at Donovan Mitchell. They never right. had a chance at Kevin Durant. I they So they, they have found a way to pull a rabbit out of the hat. I have no clue how they do it this time. No. I've said this before. Hoping is not a strategy. Hoping that somebody like Jimmy Butler demands their way to Miami. It could work. It worked to get Jimmy Butler, but it's not a strategy, right? And so far, it just feels like their strategy is hoping that the next Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell guy says it's Miami or nowhere and that the Heat could trade Josh Richardson and a bag of Doritos for Jimmy Butler again. Like, it just doesn't work that way anymore. And so especially in this era where teams are very happy to trade, you know, three or four first round picks and swaps. It didn't feel like that was the case even three years ago. And now that teams are willing to kind of pony up that kind of uh, uh, return, it's like, how are the heat? And especially now if they're in that second luxury tax that now you can't trade that other first round pick seven years out. So all the, 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 the thing that we kept talking about, the heat have two first round picks and maybe a third, if they lift protections on the OKC pick, that basically becomes second or just two first round picks at the most if they're into that second luxury tax apron, like the heat are kind of screwed this off season. And maybe you're right. Maybe they find a way. I think Kyle Lowry being an expiring is much more tradable than Kyle Lowry was even this year. Ditto with Victor Oladipo. Maybe you're able to kind of get worse contracts back and sort of shuffle the deck chairs and, and fill needs that way. But the idea of the heat taking some sort of major leap, like something is something's going to have to give. Something's gonna have to shift, and I and I don't really know what that is. I'm not ruling it out, but I just I I can't see it. I, I don't know what it would be. Uh, Jimmy Butler. Some... I mean, that's what kind of that's kind of where we're going, right? They like if it, if this is sort of. Do you feel like they like this is where it's going? Like they almost have to trade Jimmy Butler. Is that the only way to sort of hard reset this thing? 
Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, if you're if you're looking to reset, then I don't think that he wants that kind of. I don't think he's going to buy into that idea of of continuing to surround him with subpar talent when mm. his window is either closing or maybe even have closed for a chance. Sort of like the but, Damian Lillard thing in Portland. It's kind of similar. right. So I mean, it, does he is he so enamored with his off the court interest that it doesn't matter as much anymore if he just kind of continues to waddle through mediocrity over the next couple of seasons in Miami and collect a big fat che- paycheck as a result? Possibly. I don't know what his what drives him at this point and where his interests lie so much where he's like, I, I want to continue to compete for a championship and I know that it's not going to happen. I, I don't know how whether or not that's he struck that balance with his is you know uh is just general appreciation of life and everything else so i i mean i don't know it, it's tr- it's tough to say like i mean some players recognize that they have to win a championship in order to preserve their legacy i don't know if that matters as much to jimmy butler does he want to play like as the second best player in denver does he want to go to some other franchise that maybe gives him an I opportunity will, to? i will win? say I he probably know. doesn't want to do this again right I, I think that's clear there's a difference between being a championship contender winning a championship and just like being an a seed and i think jimmy butler is like i'm not I'm not doing it again with this cast for another season. I think that's probably I, fair. I, I just want to say on a just a pure basketball level, Jimmy Butler would be sick on the Denver Nuggets. I don't know who they would. I don't know that like the Heat would trade him for Michael Porter Jr. I think they could do slightly better than that. But what if it was Jamal Murray? God, Lee, huh? What if it was Jamal Murray? Think, I don't know I don't that the Nuggets, the Nuggets would do it. But he's him, been, yeah. I don't think I, the I Nuggets it, could break up Jamal and Joker. I don't think they could do that's it. That's true. Yeah. So Eric Gordon. Right. And Jamal would have to have a what's that? Aaron Gordon, like Gordon and MPJ. Oh, oh gosh, like I just I'd don't okay see it that. happening. Yeah, I don't know that Denver could do it. I don't know. Um, but he would be so fun on that team. Just again, mm-hmm. pure basketball level. That would be very, very fun to watch him play with Jokic. Can uh, I ask you an incredibly hot take question when you talk about surprises yeah. that I asked a colleague recently? Something I've been going back and forth on. I think I know where you're going, but go ahead. I don't think you do. You have no clue where I'm going. Guess where right. I'm going. Guess where I'm going. I will tell you. I promise I'll be I'll I'll be honest. Okay. Well, okay. okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> Would the Heat be better or worse if they traded Bam Adebayo straight up for Jaron Jackson Jr.? Oh, see, I didn't think you were going there. Uh... <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> we did not know that. No. Are, are, I don't would think the Heat be worse? No. No. No, because. I think they're why, so limited. Why would they? What's the argument? Yeah, what's the argument for them being? But because he spaces that, the floor. That he can well, he he can shoot threes, and I think also, I mean, you saw him have that thirty-one point game, a game one against the Lakers. I don't. Bam is getting there offensively, but I think right now Jaron Jackson Jr. has a much more varied offensive game. And, oh, see, he, and yes, he would that. space the floor significantly. I think Jaron Jackson. Then he's Bam. he's more varied Bam as a scorer. All right, fair enough. Um, can I ask you one? Yeah, please. Would you rather have Trey Young on this team next year or the same oh. exact team? <laughs> Oof. Same exact team. <laughs> I think I'm with you. I'm out on Trey Young entirely. Just completely out on the Trey Young experience. There's the rest of the league, according to that recent athletic survey. So, yeah. Yeah. Most overrated sure, player. Most overrated. We have Trey Young at home. I'm kidding, Tyler Hero. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> let's not let's not open up that bucket nope. of worms again. Oh God. We might cut. We might cut that one out of the podcast. We're not going. To. <laughs> um. All right. 
That'll do it for us today. Thanks so much for uh, joining us on Locked on Heat. Your first listen every day. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Heat on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Every day, as you can find us Saturday night with a recap of Game 3 immediately following the game. Uh, shout out to Rohan. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. You can find him on Twitter and find his work over at Sports Illustrated. He does a great job throughout the playoffs. If you notice on Twitter, he changes his uh, AVI every time something awesome happens in the playoffs. You call with whatever it an that AVI? Thing is. Sorry. Hold yeah. on. Is that wrong? Yeah, it's an AVI. I think it's AVI. I think it's an AVI. Oh, you Abby, just say bro. it all the way through. It's not an acronym. It's it's short for oh. Avatar, is my understanding. Yeah. Oh, so I'm, I'm sorry. I, I suddenly feel much, much younger and hipper as a result because I do that. I, I believe that I'm wrong here. Okay. Oh, I, we know that you're wrong. There's no doubting that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even defending myself. All right. Okay. Okay. Avi. It's not a question. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess listen, I never whoever, said that out loud. Yeah. I'm just no, short for just, Avatar, listen, as Rowan said. It's the playoffs control it. You know what I mean? Whoever's Which Avatar? One or night, two? Gets the, gets the Avi. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, it is yet to be a central player. So. Yeah, nor will it be. At this Jimmy, Jimmy had it a few times last year, but right now it's, it's John Conchar. <laughs> and, that, and that is a Random. summary of how the Miami Heat season has gone. <laughs>